Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. A short Bible study every single day of the week, seven days, usually only about 13 minutes or so long, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that helps us to stay strong and even grow stronger in our faith because, as we keep emphasizing, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. It also keeps us focused on a relationship with God, being in His Word every day, and helps us to have a more positive spiritual mindset to be able to deal with life every day. And life throws a lot at us every day. Well, we encourage you always to share these short studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody come to God through Jesus Christ. You may help somebody come to salvation. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to continue our study, and we're coming toward the end of this particular line of thought and study, talking about eight wiles of the devil. Again, our text is from Ephesians chapter 5, and beginning with verse 10, where the apostle Paul starts to lay out a list of pieces of spiritual armor that God has prepared for us to be able to effectively resist the, all of the devil's temptations, all of his ways. Verses 10 and 11 in particular, Paul wrote, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means the devil's schemings or all of the different ways that he tries to lead us into sin. Well, he has a whole lot of wiles. He has a whole lot of ways that he schemes to pull us into sin and away from God. And then Paul goes on and he lists those pieces of spiritual armor. He says, gird your waist with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the gospel of peace, he says to take up the shield of faith, carry it with you always, put on the helmet of salvation, and always wield that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, we need to stay in God's Word so we know what it says, so we can refute whatever falsehood comes our way, and we can recognize the deceptions of the devil as part of his wiles to lead us into sin. And then he also says, praying always. We need to remember to keep our focus on God, and one important way that we do that is by praying to God on a regular basis. Well, we've talked about already a number of these eight wiles of the devil, and I'm sure you can come up with some others in your own mind, but we talked about stealth, where the devil likes to stay beneath the surface, behind the scenes. He doesn't go around ab advertising himself as being the devil and wanting to pull you into eternal destruction in hell. He wants to work behind the scenes, unseen, bluffing. He'll try to bluff us into thinking, yeah, you can do this. It's no big deal. Or, you know, you can, you can dabble in sin a little bit. You can cheat on your wife or cheat on your husband. You know, now and then, everybody's doing it. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Also, doubt. Do you think the Bible really means what it says? Do you think that one verse of Scripture that says this, it, it, does it really mean that? You know, putting doubt. Is God really there? Did Jesus really arise from that tomb? 
He tries to plant doubts in our mind. Perversion. There are all kinds of perversion. We're not talking about just sexual perversion. We're talking about all kinds of perverted lifestyles the devil wants to lead us into. Then we also talked about anesthesia. He tries to he tries to work in a way that we no longer, you know, if we dabble in sin enough, we no longer have a conscience that effectively warns us against the dangers of sin, anesthetizing us beyond feeling, blinding us to the truth of what he's trying to lead us into. We also talked about distraction, where if the only way he can keep us uh, ineffective spiritually is to keep us distracted with a whole lot of busyness, some of which even looks like it's important stuff, but it's not the most important thing. It's not, it, it distracts us from really focusing on our relationship with God and on our faithfulness before God, our serving God, well, then he'll keep us busy, distracting us. Let's look at another one today, and that's substitution. In the parable of the tares, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 25, and talking about a farmer, and it's a, this is an agricultural kind of, of parable that we can relate to, an enemy of that particular farmer, but but again, this is really a he's simply using an agricultural illustration to get across a spiritual lesson, and so the enemy is Satan, but this enemy of this farmer he sows tares in his field among the wheat. What's a tear? Well, it's a poisonous plant that looks like wheat. I remember one time I looked at uh, a growth of what I thought was grass, I believed, and somebody said, no, those are weeds out there. Well, it, was, it looked different to me. You know, it looked like grass growing up, but it was weeds. Well, you don't want weeds growing up in your lawn, and these tares would be a poisonous plant that looks like wheat, but that's what the enemy of this farmer sowed. Well, who's the enemy, really, in the lesson? The devil. And so he tries to sow so uh, weeds or poisoning, you know, poisonous lifestyles and practices, sin in other words, in our lives if we'll let him, if we're not aware. God's word warns us against the ways of the devil, but the devil's always out there trying to work around whatever warnings God gives us in his word and trying to lure us by deceit, by distraction, by substitution. Now, think about some of the substitutions. The Bible talks about false Christs out in the world. That is, self-proclaimed saviors or messiahs. They're out there. It seems like just about every generation somebody is claiming to be the savior. I listened to a radio program one time on, 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 on radio. I mean, this was a real, this was a public radio station, one that people would commonly turn in, tune into. And this particular host on the station was identifying himself as, I believe, Jesus, Jesus Christ, as the Savior. I mean, it kind of blew me away. But people were calling in and talking to him and asking him for spiritual advice and teaching. Those, those supposed self-identified saviors are out there, but they're all false. There's only one Lord, only one Savior, and only one God. 
But what about the church? Well, the scriptures talk about the synagogue of Satan, Revelation 2 and verse 9. The apostle Paul repeatedly warns the Christians of that first century that false teachers were going to come in, and they were going to lead people astray, away from the correct teachings of God's word. Well, that's all around us. Denominationalism, that very principle, has served to divide Christianity into all kinds of different religious beliefs. And that's not what Jesus came to set up on this world or on this earth. He came to establish his church, singular, his church, teaching his truth. When you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it talks about one church, that is, one body. Now, he's already identified the body as being his church back in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And it says that that one church is supposed to teach one baptism. We've got different kinds of baptism being taught by different denominations, such as sprinkling or pouring or rubbing some water on somebody's forehead. That's not baptism. The only baptism taught in the scriptures, as is defined by the Greek word baptizo, is immersion. And for what reason? For the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2 and verse 38, Acts 22 and verse 16. And also to get into Christ. Romans 6 and verse 3 and Galatians 3 and verse 27. But most churches that practice baptism, they don't believe baptism is necessary for salvation. And most of them don't teach that immersion is the true baptism. Well, you see, um, substitutions. Let's substitute sprinkling for immersion and make it all right. It's more convenient, but that's not what the word means, and that's not what is taught as baptism, true baptism in the scriptures. What about false apostles? Well, they're out there, people who claim them claim to be apostles today. Uh, there are no more true apostles, divinely appointed apostles, such as the original 12 and then Paul. What False preachers, preachers teaching maybe holding a Bible in their hand, standing in a pulpit, but they're teaching error. They're not teaching what the scriptures really say accurately. Uh, communion. You might go to some churches, and instead of using the unleavened bread, they might use loaf bread. Instead of using you know, the fruit of the vine, they might substitute some other liquid. What about the false gospel? The Apostle Paul warned in Galatians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, that there were already in his day false teachers teaching a perverted gospel. And he said, that's not the gospel. Once you change the gospel message, it's no longer the gospel message. And we're told in, in, in Revelation chapter 20, verses, uh, verses 18 and 19, don't mess with God's word. Don't add to it. Don't take anything away from it. And if you do, then you're, suffer, you're, you're, you're putting, opening yourself up to God's judgment to be brought upon you. False brethren. False brethren who spy out our liberty, who want to come in and lead us off into 
false doctrine, who want to gain a following. We've got to always be alert, always be aware, always be on guard against all of the wiles of the devil, all of the tricks that he might use to try to lead us away from the truth of God's word and thereby away from truly following God according to his will. And that would be sin. The only way to determine the difference between the genuine and the fake is to study God's word carefully. To study God's word carefully. To be in his word. So Paul said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. We need to be careful to not let the devil lead us into substituting something that is man-devised over what God's Word teaches and commands. We're going to finish our study next time. Let's pray. Father, we really need your strength. We really need your wisdom and guidance. We need your protection. We need your deliverance from all of the wiles of the devil. Help us to be in your word regularly, consistently, to understand it accurately and make the proper applications to our lives and thereby be able to recognize the error that the devil through human agencies or through his temptations may throw at us to pull us ourselves into error and away from your true teachings. Help us, Father, to be true students of your word and to apply the proper the scriptures properly to your glory and to our salvation. Please forgive us, gracious Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.